you for just waiting on the Lord a few moments with me. Sister, I think Sister Elena was there for a period of the time uh, at, at CLC at college with me. We, she probably knows and remembers we went through, it was at least a year where the theme for the whole year was an unplanned, it wasn't like a planned theme, but the, uh, the theme of the Lord for the year was just waiting on the Lord. <laughs> and I promise you every single person in that college, including myself, who was saying it the most, got tired of hearing, let's wait on the Lord. <laughs> and, you know, it's kind of funny because as difficult as that was being in a place of, of leadership and, you know, in services or different things where all eyes were on me to make a decision or choose what we're going to do next, <laughs> And then finally, after almost a year, most people got the, kind of got the idea, okay, we're just going to wait. We're not really going to, we're not going to wait on the man, but we're going to wait on the Lord. And I'm thankful that, uh, that the lesson in that didn't stop in, in college in, in those years. Um, thankful to have Brother Adrian and Marcus with us again tonight there kind of in that season right now, Bible college, and, you know, it's in the last two years, I've been experiencing more than ever what it means to wait on the Lord. <laughs> There's all kinds of things that, you know, I have planned, or I think that, okay, now that I'm through college, now that I have this, this type of job, now that I live on my own, now this, 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 and this is all supposed to happen, <laughs> And it's supposed to have happened by now, <laughs> and it hasn't. And so my responsibility is to, to wait on the Lord. And that doesn't mean, you know, a lot of times, and this is kind of the challenge we went through in that year at school, that doesn't mean just sit there and stare blankly at your bedroom wall <laughs> for two years until... The Lord walks through the door, grabs you, picks you up, <laughs> takes you down the street to that job that you're supposed to apply for or whatever. You fill in the blank of the thing that you are waiting to happen. In Scripture, waiting on the Lord is, is an active thing. It's not a passive thing. In the book of Acts, they, they went and they tarried for the promise of the Lord, for the Holy Ghost to be poured out. But in that tarrying, in that time of waiting, they were seeking the face of God. They were in prayer and fellowship every day. They were going to the temple every day during the Feast of Pentecost. And, and it was during that time that the Lord decided, okay, now, pouring out my spirit. Now, this thing that was promised that seems like 40 days, or I guess it was 10 days after the, the time he said it. But all these days later, and then now here we are in the New Testament church waiting again for him to bring about a, a harvest 
that was promised all the way back in Joel, promised in the Old Testament that began there in Acts. So waiting is quite the theme of Scripture, <laughs> like it or not, and I don't like it most of the time, I'll be honest. I have a lot of scriptures tonight, and so I'm going to jump into them. If you have a Bible or want to try to keep up with Brother Timothy on the screen, uh, but if you have your Bible, let's start with me in, in the book of Genesis, chapter 3. And I'm going to do my best to be, to be quick, so I might speed read a little bit so if you if you don't if you can't find every every place uh just do your best to to listen along i mean genesis chapter 3 verse 15 I'll start you off with an easy one to find it says i will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. And most of us probably heard this, this passage before when, when the Lord is speaking and, and uh, saying what's going to happen now that, the, now that Adam and Eve have sinned, been removed from the garden, and he's telling them each the, the curse that, that they're going to receive. And, and this is the curse to the serpent that deceived Eve and caused them to sin putting enmity between them and her seed and the serpent's seed. And it, or the seed of the woman, shall bruise thy head, shall bruise the head of the serpent. And thou, or the serpent, shall bruise his heel. So keep that, keep that in mind uh, as we read here tonight. So other end of the Bible, Revelation chapter 12, verse 7. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels and prevailed not, neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, the old serpent. We just jump to the very end of the Bible, and we still see that old serpent that caused Eve to fall and, and Adam in the very beginning. But here in Revelation, we see that he lost that old serpent, the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Man, I'm thankful that we have access to the end of the story <laughs> and to what happens. There's a whole lot more there of what happens when he's going to be cast into the lake of fire, him and, and the false prophet and the Antichrist, and we won't have to deal with them anymore. And I look forward to that day. But I want to talk tonight, and like I said, we have a lot of scriptures, but I want to sort of tell you where I'm going so you have an idea. You know, we've been talking a little bit about being led by the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, walking in truth, and I, I believe that a great part of that is knowing who we are in the Lord, 
And knowing the, the power and the authority that we have in, in his name uh, to walk in and the things that, that we shouldn't live beneath, the privileges that we shouldn't live beneath if we are filled with the Holy Ghost and have been baptized in his name. If we're one of his, like, like Elder talked about a couple weeks ago or maybe even just last Sunday, having the Holy Ghost makes us one of his. So if we're one of his, there's some things that we have the ability to do. And so I want to talk about that walking in the Spirit. Isaiah chapter 14, verse number 12. Talk a little bit about the adversary tonight and how intimidating he is not. That's what I want to talk about. Showing us, reminding us how little he really is. Man, Isaiah 14, 12, how art thou fallen from heaven? We just read in Revelation, we know how he was fallen from heaven. He lost a war, he lost a battle and was cast down. In the gospel, Jesus said, I saw, beheld Satan fall like lightning. He was cast out and like lightning he fell from heaven. O Lucifer, son of the morning, how are you cut down to the ground? Which which did weaken the nations. For you hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. This is where he messed up. This is what, what started the war in heaven. Satan getting into his mind and, and in the mind of a third of the angels apparently that, you know what, we can ascend above the place that we are right now. We can be more than we are right now. He said, I'll ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God and will sit also upon the mount of the congregation and the sides of the north. I will ascend above the clouds, the height of the clouds. And this is, I think, the worst one. I will be like the most high. How foolish of a thought that is to get into the mind of Satan. And, you know, in, in the garden, the same, the same thoughts are what he used to cause Eve to fall. He said, no, you're not going to die. You, sh you, sh you won't surely die if you eat of this fruit. But really, God doesn't want you to eat this fruit because if you eat of it, you'll be like him. You'll be like God knowing good and evil. So Satan, knowing that making that decision is what caused him to be kicked out of heaven, caused him to fall, thought, you know what, I'm going to take this perfect creation that God put here in this perfect garden, and I'm going to tempt them with the very thing that I fell to. And then maybe God will get rid of them and, and I'll win. But you know what's, what's so powerful is about our flesh is the fact that not only are we made in the image of God and the likeness of God, but in flesh we are redeemable. We can be, we can be bought. We can be reborn. And that's, that's one of the great differences of us and, and the angels is they have no flesh. And so I've, I've thought about this a long time of how come 
Satan, he had iniquity in his heart, which is to go against the plan and the ideas of God. How come that happened and then he had no chance to repent or the Lord didn't say, well, you know, it's okay. I'll give you a second chance. It was immediately the Lord said, nope, you're done. Out with you and, and the other third of, of your little group. And I believe the reason for that is because they're, they're, they're spirits. So there's no room for it. They don't have their own free will. They don't get to make their own decisions. And the, the powerful thing about our flesh as as big of a weakness as it is, is also it's one of our, our strengths. Because you see in, in Scripture in the story of the man possessed with, he said, he said I, behold, I am legion for we are many. He was possessed with so many evil spirits that that became his identity. And then you see the other example of, of the man in the tombs of, of the Gadarenes and Though he was possessed with many spirits, those, those spirits couldn't keep him and his humanity from running to the Lord on the shore when he saw him pull up. And so our flesh is, flesh is essentially that line between the spirit world of, of light and the spirit of darkness. It's, it's that dividing line that, that the angels don't have. They don't have that separation of light and darkness. It's, they're either in light or they're in darkness. And us in the flesh, if we can slip into our flesh and then be pulled into evil and darkness, and even if we entertain things too long, we can be pulled into possession or spiritual influence. But at the same time, we have the ability to, in our flesh, surrender, decrease, and walk in the Spirit be led by the spirit and really it's it's all up to to our will of whether or we're not we're going to surrender am i going to surrender to darkness and the temptation the allure of the enemy the sin that's pleasant for a season or am i going to surrender and die to my flesh and walk in the spirit of truth the spirit of light uh, I want to continue reading here and jump with me to verse 15, or actually uh, verse 16. S still speaking of Lucifer, said, They that see thee, now <laughs> watch this, this is, I think this is so cool. This just exposes the, the lies of, of Satan. Verse 16, They that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee. I just see people like looking at him, squinting. I don't know if that's what it means, but that's kind of what I picture. They'll narrowly look upon thee and consider thee saying, they're going to, I just imagine this group, once they see Satan, they're going to look and say, is this the man that made the earth to tremble? That did shake kingdoms? that made the world as a wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof, that opened not the house of his prisoners, and all the kings of the nations, even all of them, lie in glory, everyone in his own house. But you are cast out of thy grave like an abominable branch. And as the raiment of those that are slain thrust through with a sword, 
that go down to the stones of the pit. And watch this, as a carcass trodden under feet. Satan's known, he's known his fate all along. It was, it was prophesied in, in Genesis, you're going to be bruised by the heel of the seed of the woman. You're going to be as a carcass trodden under the feet. And he's, he's I, I just picture him, you know, we see him as a serpent in the garden. But I can't help but picture him just as, as a worm. <laughs> There's, there's some massive snakes. You've probably seen, seen um, pictures or seen them at the zoo or different places. Snakes that are huge, the size of tree trunks that people hold on their necks and cuddle with and just insane things. I remember one time in Stockton, we were in a coffee shop. And man, I thought it was an attack of the devil. <laughs> We're there sitting, and this lady walks in just like it was a part of her, like it was one of her accessories, just wearing a snake on her neck, (laughs) walking into this coffee shop just, and it was a living, it was alive, just looking around, and I was like, man, the devil is a liar. (laughs) I rebuke that snake right now. I'll be honest, it it got me a little, uh, little stirred up. I was like, I do not like that, and... That snake, though, it was, it was bigger than my foot. Um, its head probably wasn't. But that, I think that's why I picture s- the serpent, the devil, as just a worm. <laughs> Something that can fit under my, my foot, that I can trod in, as the King James says, trod in under feet. Because that's what he is. That's all he is. And he would try to g- get this picture in our, our mind of this anaconda (laughs) that can swallow a gazelle and he's nothing more than a serpent that can be trodden under feet that will be that is amen let's jump to the new testament first corinthians chapter 15 now i want to look at the positive side again walking in the spirit who we are the privileges that we have as born-again believers. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 20. I'm going to read quickly here. But now is Christ risen from the dead. Yes, He is. And become the firstfruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits afterward, they that are Christ's at his coming. Then cometh the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power. Verse 25, For he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. Everyone say, under my feet. Amen. I think it was even mentioned in that song that that was sang on Sunday. Um, All kingdoms, or however it said it, be put under our feet or shall come down. 
I'm probably butchering it, but something along those lines <laughs> of them being brought under the authority of, of God. Verse 26, the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. For he has put all things under his feet. But when he saith all things are put under him, it is manifest that he is accepted that or accepted which did put all things under him. And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. So without getting into all of the scriptures that are within this Bible study of the death and burial and how Christ dying, I'll give you the short and condensed version. Christ's death was him being bruised, his head being bruised, or his heel being bruised, sorry. His heel was being bruised by him, him dying. But it was in, in that death that it bruised the head of Satan and Satan thought, man, I've, I've really won. I've really done something. I, I killed the, the Son of God, the man Christ Jesus. And so he got a little bit of a, of a bruise on the heel of, of the Lord. But of course, in the, the resurrection, he realized his, his great mistake. Uh, jump down with me to verse Verse 50. And this is the this is the importance of this is the importance of, of the gospel. Verse fifty now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall rise. The dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Jump with me to verse 55. Or the end of verse 54 there too says, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin. I think we all know and have experienced that. <laughs> living in, in death, living in sin. And the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And one other, one last passage here. Like I said, I'm going to read a lot. Probably catch all of us up on our, our weekly Bible reading tonight. Ephesians chapter 1. It'll actually be two, two other quick, quick passages, but still early. Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. This is, this is Paul 
obviously speaking to the Ephesian and the Ephesians and, and telling them, and I think Elder even talked about this, at, at least from one of the Gospels recently as well, of, of how, how thankful Paul was to hear that people are still walking in truth, that they're still, still walking in the things that they've received revelation on. And, man, I, I tell you, I'm, I'm realizing more and more how it seems like how much of a phenomenon that is to see people that I've grown up with that I thought, man, that person's solid, that person's in truth, that person loves the Lord. And, and then now that I'm an adult and they're adults, you know, they're living lives that have nothing to do with God, and it's, obviously, it's, it's tragic, it's sad, and I know the story's not over, but that's what, that's what the enemy would try to make them believe, but I, I realize more and more, man, how, how much of a privilege it is to faithfully be in the house of the Lord, to faithfully be together. So Paul says in verse 16, you can jump to, he says, I cease not to give thanks for you. And before that, he said, I heard of your faith in Jesus. So I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Now this is a prayer. This is, this is kind of the words of his prayer that he prayed. He said that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance and the saints. What is the exceeding greatness of his power? To us, word who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named. Can you imagine that? All the things that he's above. Everything named that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. Verse 22. And hath put all things under his feet. Everyone say all things. All things. That doesn't really leave anything out. All things been put under his feet. Now watch, it's, it's going to get better, better than that, believe it or not. All things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is, this is speaking of the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. You see the significance of that, the power of that, all the scriptures that we've just read of things being placed under his feet, of Satan, the serpent being trodden under feet, 
this, and there's so much more. There's, I mean, this is not an exhaustive Bible study by any means. But this makes me realize, okay, all of those things that are true, that have been prophesied, that will happen, that have happened, putting him under the Lord's feet is also true about my feet because I'm his body and he's, he's the head. I'm, I'm his body, I'm his church, and I am the fullness of him that fills all in all. Obviously not me, but all of us collectively, the body, linked together, knit together in, in unity and fellowship. You know, I mentioned the different people growing up with and seeing them stray away and even more recently, people that I've met and seen stray away. And I, I at times, want to just bring the scripture and <laughs> remind them, and, and I, I do at times remind them, don't you know the, the power that you have over these things that you think you can't be free of? Over these things that, you know, you're ashamed about? And, and I believe, I heard this said the other day, and I believe it, that Somewhere in the heart of every person who's went away from truth, no matter how, how deep it may be, somewhere there is a desire for them to return. Again, no matter how deep that desire might be, it might be really deep, but I believe that somewhere it's there because they know the power of the Holy Ghost. They know the fullness of joy that comes in his presence, that's only in his presence, and everything else is unsatisfactory, it's void, it's empty. So once you've tasted, once you've seen of the goodness of God, of his fullness, you can go back, but you can never forget what true fullness is. And you can never get, I believe you can never get away from what true fullness in him is. You, you probably all heard different preachers say or, or heard it referenced like, you know, I'm, I'm here to pick a fight with the devil. <laughs> I think that's funny because, you know, the devil really, and this is, kind of a snake joke because the devil really has no leg in the fight. He, the, fight's already, the fight's already over, and he knows it. There's another scripture says, that says um, there's only one God. And the devils, they believe it also, and they tremble. I believe you could, you could substitute that word without changing scripture for God in that verse and say the devils believe truth and they tremble because God is truth. And there's, there's some people that, you know, we have to, in some sense, play the role in reminding, not shoving it in their face, not bringing condemnation to them but reminding hey if you've been bought with his blood 
if you've been buried in the waters of baptism, if you've ever received his spirit, you have authority over these things. And you need to put them back where they belong, under your feet. <laughs> one, other, one other verse, not passage, just, just verse. This is the next chapter in Ephesians. I would, I would encourage you all to read Ephesians. I was tempted to read the whole book tonight. But obviously, I'm not going to do that. But the next chapter in Ephesians talks about, it, it kind of gives this picture of, of what it is to be under spiritual influence and how that at one time all of us were in darkness. All of us were outside of, of the things of God and we walked in those things. And Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13 says, But now, in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off are made nigh or are made close by the blood of Christ. You who are sometimes far off. I want that to sink in for someone. Because each and every one of us, whether, and I, I'm speaking to myself, whether or not we were raised in this, so to speak, or not, we were at one time or sometimes, multiple times, far off. Far off the course, far off the path. We were missing the mark. That's what sin is. We were sometimes far off. But those of you, those of us who were far off are made nigh or are made close by the blood of Christ. Amen. By the blood of Christ. Amen. You stand with me tonight. I'm I'm finished. I, I think if, if I could wake up every day and remind myself and remind everyone else of this verse and of this principle, I would, that all things are under his feet. All things are under the feet of the body of Christ. And I, believe it or not, uh, I had a whole lot more scriptures. Uh, but most of you probably know them or have heard them. But the, the stories in the New Testament of, of Jesus casting out spirits and his confrontations with evil spirits. And you know what I realized in just a quick overview search and look at a lot of those stories is so many times in those stories, Jesus had to tell them, essentially, shut up. <laughs> Quit talking. The, the devils, those spirits, they would always be quick to try to give their two cents. And you know, it's interesting, and we see this even with Jesus in the, the temptation that he went through in the wilderness with the devil there tempting him is he tried to use scripture. He tried to use truth. And you could look and say, yeah, that's true. That's not false. It's not wrong. But he used it the wrong way. 
using the wrong the wrong context or to try to whatever he did he to twist it and it's interesting because same thing and and so many of the examples i looked at in just a brief overview they were saying the right thing a lot of times they were even saying this is jesus this is the son of god this is the christ and he silenced them because he was revealing who he was it wasn't time and we know the story with the disciples and the lady who followed for days until finally, I think it was Peter, turned around and she was saying, these are disciples, these are men of God of the Most High. And it's like two or three days and finally he says, enough, get out. And so the only tactic of the enemy is his words against us. The thoughts that Man, you're, you're going to be pulled away again. Or, man, you're messing up again. You're going to be afar off. Or those that we know who are still yet afar off. Who haven't, yet, who haven't been brought nigh, brought near again or for the first time by his blood. But I know that we're coming into a time, we're coming into a season where there's, there's a drawing, there's a pulling on the hearts of people because they have that emptiness in themselves. They have no joy, they have no satisfaction in the world. And so they need that interaction with us that have, have a flow of the Spirit of God and can say, look, the blood, this is what it does. We can show them in, with our testimony. We can show them behind the curtain of the blood and say, look, this is who I was. This is the man or the woman that the blood now covers. But this is who you know. And that's why there's such power in the blood because Satan would remind us, you're an alcoholic or you're a druggie or you're this or you're that. And that's, that's the problem I have with AA groups and especially that, which it does, does good, but they always say that you have to say once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. And you can be going to those groups for 20 years and have all the different chips that show you've been clean and sober for however many years, and you go to another meeting and you still have to say, hi, I'm Joel and I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> You haven't drank alcohol in 20 years. You're not an alcoholic. And how much more true, I could have been an alcoholic yesterday, but if I've been buried in the blood, I'm not an alcoholic today. <laughs> and some of us need to remind the devil of that, that, oh, look, you see this? This is the blood of Jesus. And Jesus doesn't see through the blood. <laughs> Jesus doesn't see what's under the blood. So you can keep trying to use it against me all you want. But I know that it's covered. I know that it's washed. I know that I've been bought. Amen. Can we pray for a moment? I, I, I feel that the Lord is, like I said, drawing people who have yet to be bought by his blood. And it takes us remembering who we are in him and that the devil's under our feet. We've been bought by the blood, that we have the power and the authority over all things.
Amen. Jesus, we thank you, Father. Thank you for your blood. We thank you for the authority that we have in you, Jesus, as the head of this body, as this collective group of believers of your church. Father, and we walk in your authority. We walk in your wisdom, Jesus. We walk in the knowledge of you. And I pray the same prayer, God, for those that have yet to come. I pray the prayer, Jesus, of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. Jesus, that those who've yet to be bought would come and come under the blood of the Lamb. Jesus, and that us here today would remember the power of your blood, Jesus, that still washes, your blood that still redeems, that still cleanses us. Father, I pray that we would walk in victory today. I pray we walk in dominion today and walk with all things under our feet. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Well, can we call out the name of a brother or a sister, someone that we know needs the blood? Jesus, we lift up those that are not yet under your blood. We lift up those, Jesus, that you're drawing in this hour. Father, we bring them to your ears again. We come with importunity tonight, Jesus. And I pray by the drawing of your spirit that we would make contact with them, God, that they would receive the revelation of who you are, receiving the revelation of what you've done, of your blood that still works, your blood that still saves. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, send us out, I pray. Send us out, I pray, God, in this authority, in this dominion. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, with all things under our feet. In the name of Jesus, I pray. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Amen. Walk in his calling and under his blood. Amen. Still has power. Still has power. Amen. Have a blessed night, and we will see you all Sunday. Amen. God bless. You're dismissed.